Hey everybody, this is Kyle Means, Editorial Director of We Are Regal Radio, War Media, and uh, also host of Running With War Podcast. And uh, yeah, back at it with a special edition of the show, not unlike our typical sessions that we do with me and my guys just talk about no NBA and the WNBA and everything. This one, uh, you know, putting together a uh, you know a set of interviews that I did, quick interviews with writers and experts, uh, followers of teams who have been eliminated from the postseason, the NBA bubble. And uh, in this first set, we got f- excerpts from four interviews that I've done uh, in recent weeks uh, with uh, uh, writers and uh, broadcasters uh, from, oh, actually, three I've done and one that uh, our guy Josh Hicks did uh, as part of uh, his one of his recent In the Scope podcasts as well. Uh, Josh interviewed Ro Brown, a uh, great uh, broadcaster down in New Orleans, talked to him about the uh, state of the Pelicans and everything coming out of uh, their failed attempt to get into the playoffs. All these teams didn't reach the playoffs. We should say they played in the uh, leading the lead up games to the playoffs, but didn't make even the first round. Just barely missed it. And uh, you no know, coming up, we'll try to have some interviews from uh, teams who actually made the playoffs and uh, and uh, have been since eliminated as well. So we'll keep you up to, updated on that. As, as that process goes along. But for right now, we just got four teams that uh, came close but didn't smoke them stogies when it came to the playoffs. Uh, like I said, New Orleans, Ro Brown speaking on the Pelicans. Uh, Phoenix uh, got my man from the Arizona Republic. He covers the Suns for that new fine newspaper. And uh, also, we have another newspaper writer in Evan Barnes, who helps cover the uh, Memphis Grizzlies, very interested young team who, uh, you know, with John Morant got a lot of pub while they were playing down in the bubble. Uh, You know, Evan Barnes is going to be talking to me, writes for the Memphis Commercial Appeal. And our last guest is gonna is from DC, a great uh, young podcaster, and um, you know broadcaster in general. Her name is Mikhail Ramos, host of the show Rolling with Ramos, and uh, we had a good talk about DC, and um, you know all these interviews. Also, I'm gonna release. in full, you just like I say, just getting parts of them here, but I'm um, gonna we'll release these interviews in full as well because we have other subjects that we kind of go into with, uh, with each of them as well. Actually, uh, the Roe Brown one, of course, you can hear you actually can hear that in full already within the scope, uh, but uh, the other three I'll release as release whole as well, uh along with this package that we put together here. So, uh, again, uh, we're calling this like the uh, the Eliminated, Running With War, the Eliminated series. And, uh, you know, just enjoy these interviews. You want to learn more about these teams, uh, it's a good spot 
a good place to learn about these teams. If uh, you know you missed them while they played in the bubble, if you just want to know a little more about them, you know, I think uh, especially with uh, you know, you could say with New Orleans, but I think especially with Phoenix and uh, Memphis, they're definitely going to be two interesting teams next year in the in the Western Conference. I think two teams that will probably make the playoffs, at least one of them will. And, um, yeah, definitely with some of the, the best young talent in the league, we talk about John Morant on, in Memphis, Jaron Jackson, and um, – you know, um, in Phoenix, of course, you got Devin Booker, uh, Kelly Oubre, and um, you know this uh, uh, the the big man Aiden. So yeah, just uh, you know, sit back, relax, check out these, check out this uh, very intricate ball talk, and uh, like I say, just uh, you know, do the knowledge on some of these teams that are no longer in the bubble as uh you know we get closer to determining a one of our most unique nba champions ever the bubble continues on and of course as that as that continues on you can uh definitely get the latest our thoughts and coverage on teams that are left with uh new running with war sessions each week uh, we uh, stream live on Wednesdays, and we will uh, we'll come back with those uh, podcasts here on War on Anchor, uh, typically on the, on the Thursday or Friday, if uh, you know no later than Friday, but usually typically on Thursday. And uh, you know, yeah, definitely just check us out, check out all our shows on War on Anchor. Uh, the 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 that Davis show now uh, the renamed that Davis show from the ashes of the Dean Davis show uh, Second City Sports in the scope and our new show me with me Dave Evans and rookie uh, rookie Shive rookie White in the building where we go off on just about anything you know bringing. Uh, Definitely that intimate man cave type feeling. The brothers building, the brothers speaking only as we can each week in the building. Uh, that's a Tuesday evening live stream on YouTube. Sup- support us on YouTube, man. Uh, love to see more of you subscribing to us. Uh, you know, make sure that you can get access to our sh- our shows, our live streams as they happen. Get uh, notified right away. That you can only do that by subscribing to We Are Regal Radio and uh, actually War Media on uh, YouTube. Search War Media. Pretty much search War Media on all our social platforms now. Been renaming, uh, you know, updating the sites and everything, the pages. So you try to search War Media, W A R R Media, on uh, Facebook. Twitter and uh, Instagram, as well as you know the podcast platforms and YouTube. So you know, keep supporting, keep showing us love, and we're gonna show it right back. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll highlight y'all later.
All right. All right, let's get it going. Kyle Means here, War Media. We are RegalRadio.com. And uh, we're, we're back at it here, Running With War podcast, doing something special with my man, Evan Barnes, who is the a reporter down at the Memphis Commercial Appeal, right? And uh, right. yeah, has been covering those Grizzlies, man, those up and coming Grizzlies, among other things down there. And uh, you know, we're glad to have Evan on to give a little insight and into what they've done, you know, so far, what they've done in the bubble. Even though, you know, just coming up short, they were they came into the bubble as as the AFC proper, you know, but fell back. Had some took some took some uh, took some L's down there in Orlando. Wound up playing in the playing game. Uh, you know that was, you know, impressed a lot of people. You know they had the spotlight to themselves with Portland uh, this past Saturday, and just came up short against those Trailblazers who are now playing in the one eight matchup against LA in the playoffs. But um, yeah, no, Evan, just starting off, man, you know, what were, what were your thoughts on how things played out for Memphis in the bubble? You know, you had a team that was beat up. A couple of their, of their key players were, were really, were, you know, out of the, out of the games completely. And um, you know, I've looked at some of your stories that you've written recently. You just wrote a story about Ja, you know, who played through the games, and apparently he played with a broken thumb in in the last four games. So he really, you know, gritted it out just to get through this thing. And uh, you know, it just seemed like Memphis was not in an ideal place for these games, but they still were, were on the verge of making the playoffs. So. You know, what were your what were your thoughts overall on their effort and how things played out for them? Well, I thought it went, you know, as well as expected. Once um I thought honestly, like, you know, things started to work bad omen with the bad omen when Justin Winslow got hurt before their first scrimmage game. Sure. Uh, they had they had high hopes for him coming in and, you know, getting a chance to see what he could do before next season. So with him out, things were kinda of like, all right, well they hadn't played without Justice all year. He's trade deadline, you know, they hadn't played so it wouldn't be that pro- that a problem, but then they lost Tyus Jones um, and showed the importance of having a great backup point guard. Then Jaron Jackson gets hurt. So honestly, you know, this team didn't really catch a break until really the Bucks game when uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo got suspended for the headbutt. So with all that said, I mean, I think this is a good learning experience for them. They learned basically how to be a playoff team. They learn what it takes. They learn that being a young team means you can't waste possessions. You can't settle for bad shots because good teams are going to try to settle for what works for them. Um, you have to stick to what works, which some early on at least they, they went away from you know going inside early, and it showed better success at the end of the seeding games. But ultimately, you know, getting what two games within the playoffs for a team that wasn't supposed to win more than twenty-seven games, um, I think it's. And then question success, and I think it really kind of showed the future of this team, and it showed John Morant is going to be somebody that more NBA fans are going to get to know um, really over the next 12 months. I'm not going to say, like, next few years. Over the next 12 months, more people are going to get to know who he is. Yeah, definitely. I mean, job is really not enough you could say about him. The 
prohibitive rookie of the year and a guy who, you know, you got to think the league is going to expect to be a, a star going forward. And, um, you know, with, with all the promise that, you know, you have with him and with guys like Jaron Jackson and stuff and, you know, uh, it, is that the overall take? I mean, coming from the players and from the organization itself, is, is it overall is the overall feeling just just like, you know, yeah, we do feel that we got a lot coming to us, or is or is it more or is it more of a feeling of like, damn, we just missed out on an opportunity here? Is there any bitterness towards coming up short and for the playoffs this year? so much bitter. I think there's more sense of, I'll use what Taylor Jenkins said. When he walked in the locker room, he said the team looked at him and said, we got work to do. <laughs> he, had, he had the same attitude. So I think they feel like this was a a good lesson. They feel like, okay, hey, you know, they felt like nobody was, you know, they were counted out. They were they were the eight seed, but nobody expected them to be in there. And everyone knew Portland was probably going to be tougher once they added Nurkic and Collins and people thought the Pelicans might have a better chance that their schedule was so easy. Um, so they kind of took it as good learning experience. We saw we could get better. Um, would they like to play the Lakers? Of course. But there was a sense of we got work to do. Let's get after it because we have a chance to really kind of build on something here. And for the first time in three years, there's hope. There's hope that it's not just playing for the lottery. You're playing for a chance to hopefully be in contention next year. So I think there's a sense of, you know, Happy but not satisfied. Kind of what Taylor Jenkins said to us today during his exit interview. Like, you're, you know, pleased but not satisfied. Okay. And you, you mentioned the young coach, Taylor Jenkins, and I, I saw another story you read, you wrote uh, about him being uh, sort of miss. I think he, he was his, they said his name wrong on the on the national telecast and everything. And, he, he, you know, you see like he's a nondescript but nondescript right now, he's, a, he's not a guy that a lot of people know, but he's a, a pretty interesting guy. Why don't you, uh, you know, could you go into just what uh, makes him work as a, as a coach for this young team? Yeah, and obviously that was probably the most frustrating part for a lot of people here in Memphis because, you know, here's a first-year coach who's trying to prove himself. He's the second youngest coach in the league, and you had ABC's crew mispronouncing his name multiple times at multiple points in the game. Um, that was not um, well-received and, frankly, was not, you know, the best of ABC broadcast, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. But for somebody who literally this is his first time being a head coach on the, at the NBA level, he came in, you know, assistant with Mike Budenholzer, um, with, the, with the Hawks and with the Bucks. Um, he really just came in and said, look, we're going to let things fly. We're going to let it fly, which is what they wanted to do, shoot a bunch of threes. But he also wanted to create this, like, really fun – loose atmosphere where guys wanted to come compete. They didn't want to just compete to compete. They wanted to have fun, and they wanted to have to compete. And I wrote some stuff earlier this uh, right before the hiatus, basically, about how you know he gets them together for kickball games. He took them for, like, softball games. Like, he really, you know, is using his youth as an advantage to really kind of, like, say, hey, let's have fun. We're all figuring this out together. Let's have fun. But also, at the same time, put the trust in a 20, at the time, 20-year-old point guard to, to run the show, um, give this team creative freedom to, you know, run up and down the floor, which the Grizzlies really weren't known for. The Grizzlies Grind was a very methodical, plotting, yeah. purest, purest style, if you will. But now it's a much more entertaining, fun game. And so he's really got, deserves a lot of credit for just 
knowing how to just unlock this team and say, hey, you have a 20-year-old point guard. Don't try to rein him in. Work with him. Let him trust you and make it work. Again, I'm surprised Jenkins wasn't a finalist for a coach of the year because I thought what he did this year was just as good a job as as Nick Nurse, Buttonholzer, even Billy Donovan, although I think Nick Nurse probably will win coach of the year. But I thought what he did was a really good job for a first-time head coach and a team that really had no expectations. He kind of was letting them unlock their potential Okay. It is, it's interesting because you mentioned how the team is sort of evolving past that grit and grind, grindhouse uh, reputation that the franchise had back when they last were winning with people like uh, Marcus Gasol and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Zach Randolph and, and all that, Tony Allen and all those guys. You know, it, but it seems that, you know, when you look at those teams, and you're getting a little bit, little bit of it now with stuff like, you know, people mispronouncing Jenkins' name and stuff, broadcasts and stuff. It seems like Memphis has a the, has a t- uh, typically has played with a chip on the shoulder, play with a, a a belief that they've been overlooked by a lot of the NBA community and stuff. So that may be something that this team probably is is going to internalize as well, even though. They have, you know, some good young stars, and they're playing a different type of basketball than those older Grizzlies teams play. Oh yeah, they, they've already, you know, you probably saw it during the during the broadcast. You know, Memphis versus everybody—that's the slogan here. Or should I say Memphis versus everybody? <laughs> you know, but that's the slogan here. People buy into that because it is what they believe, and it is what people have seen over the years and decades that Memphis has been overlooked in various ways. And so the Grizzlies really kind of have that identity of, hey, people may ignore us, people may think we're underdogs. We're going to embrace that. And for a young team, obviously, with a guy like John Moran, who went to Murray State, he embraces that because people overlooked him. You know, his, one of his boys from South Carolina, Zion Williamson. Zion became an a, a, a internet star before he got to high school. John Moran had to go to Murray State and wasn't really well known until his sophomore year. So... They have players on this team who embrace that, you know, that, I guess you could say, underdog mentality. I think it's made them stronger because they understand, hey, we're all in this together, you know, let's go with it. And they've embraced them for it. Okay, okay. And, you know, of course, you know, Jai's been, Jai's the star right now. He's the man. But, uh, you know, let's look at, at some at the rest of the roster where you look at, you know, uh, what's really making this team go. And, and you know, you, you, I say you have, you have Jai, you have, uh, you have Jaron, and you also have some, you have some veteran uh, leadership developing as well, players who had some time in the league, like, like Valanciunas and Dylan Brooks. You know, Kyle Anderson has had a bit of time, uh, you know, in San Antonio prior to being in Memphis. Uh, you know, uh, among those players and, and, any anybody else who you want to mention? You know, you know, you mentioned Jones and Winslow. They're being out. How that affected the team in Orlando? You know what? What do you think is really going? How does? What do you think about how this team is going to evolve further and develop going into the next season? And you know, what do you think their their ceiling would probably be as a, as a unit? Sure. Well, um, you know, just for some other guys to keep note of. I mean, obviously, Jaron Jackson Jr. was, you know, took a great step forward in his second year. Obviously, somebody who's 
got really unique gifts being a 6'11 shooter who can protect the rim. Um, yeah. He obviously is taking a lot of strides. He got hurt during the bubble, so that kind of made things a little bit hard. But, you know, him, Dylan Brooks, who I think is has been like a polarizing figure here because he'll shoot you in the games, he may shoot you out again, but he plays with that same type of energy you just love because it's a fire. Like, he plays with the fire of somebody who's a second-round pick, but it has supreme confidence that every shot he puts up, every play that he guards somebody, he's getting a stop. You know? Um, and then, obviously, one of the things that I really like about this team is that um, they have a traditional big man. As much as the team wants to get up and down the floor, they have a big man in Jonas Valanciunas who can get you a double-double. And I like it because when they get him involved, the team usually does well because he can set the tone. He's a decent shot blocker. But he also can make you get easy shots, which is what they learned in the bubble is you need guys who can get easy shots. As much as John can get to the rim, it's also easy to get the rim and you can dip, dump it off to, to a big man who can do, you know, a double-double. Um, and then also, I know Brandon Clark who had a great rookie year. I think, you know, and I think he had the highest field goal percentage ever by a rookie. Hmm. Um, and he was just, he was efficient. He was the 21st pick in the draft. You know, people talked about him, but it wasn't like, you know, he was somebody that people thought, okay, maybe he'll get drafted in the lottery. You know, he slid all the way down, and people were surprised by that. But all he's done is put together an all-rookie first-team caliber season. And someone who I think is going to be in the league for a while because he's efficient, he gets shots, he can run at the rim, he can rebound. Um, so there are some good pieces here that could really kind of make this team go, you know, be a contender at least in the next couple of years. Obviously, next year in the West is going to be tough because the Warriors are going to be healthy with Curry and Thompson back. The Warriors yeah. are going to be, you know, we think they're obviously they're going to be, you know, a playoff contender now that you know they have a healthy Nurkic with them. And you know, whether Carmelo comes back into the year, this team is still going to be in the playoffs, playoff picture next year. Um, the Suns are going to be better. The Pelicans, I think, if Zion can, you know, stay healthy for a whole year, they're going to be in the mix. So I think. The ceiling is really tough to say because there's so many good young teams in the in the West where the Grizzlies have to find a way to continue to fight and push themselves. Like there's a chance that next year they might be a better team but they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So I think this team can definitely get to the playoffs at least in two years. And then we'll see what happens, like who they get. But I think, you know, they probably need to get maybe another scorer, another shooter who can be more reliable. <coughs> Um, that's probably their biggest concern right now is for all the talk of let it fly, they don't have that knockdown reliable shooter besides Jaron Jackson yet. Um, so I think that's going to be the key. But I think in two years, this team should be competing for a playoff spot. And hopefully when Ja and Jaron's rookie deals come up and they get ex- if they want to get extended, the team will be in position to keep pushing to be maybe, you know, a top six team in the West in two or three years once LeBron retires, once – you know, the Warriors, you know, dynasty gets a little bit older. Um, so we'll see. Yeah, I like the way you look at it. I don't know if, if the fans down there are going to be looking at it that way, but it's it's going to be tough in the West. You know, like you say, there's so many good young teams out there. The, the, those teams seem to be all developing at the same rate, you know, when you look at New Orleans and the Suds, and, you know, maybe you can even throw in a Sacramento if they get their front office right. You know, but definitely the Suns and New Orleans and and you talk about Portland, too, of course, having their talent and, you know, really being something above an eight seed. But they were just where they were at the time for the bubble. So 
it's definitely going to be interesting to see where the where those Memphis fit in. And we, if you look at a way that they can gain talent, one way is going to definitely be the draft. They've been effective in, in recent years in the draft. And I want to get into uh, the piece that you wrote regarding their their uh, lottery chances. Lottery's coming up on Thursday. Now, they have a, a, a slot at 14 in the draft. But that, if it stays there, that would go to Boston, uh, apparently. But they can get in the lottery if they move up into the top four. And I would have to think that that would be particularly, uh, you know, particularly tantalizing for Memphis because that may mean a chance at James Wiseman. So has there been any talk of that nature down there? Well, it's funny because, you know, you mentioned that 14th that pick. Um, there's, I think, a 2, 2.4% chance that they... <laughs> yeah, it's not a good chance. <laughs> no, like, basically, they have to... There's, there's a 2.4 chance to get in the lottery, and if they don't get in the lottery, that pick goes to Boston as part of a, a rules from a trade from 2015. So, honestly, we're more, most people expect that pick to get conveyed to Boston, and it's off the books, and Memphis in the day of 2021. But I was surprised when I mentioned that... Um, who was going to be at the draft lottery representing for them, Elliot Perry, who's a minority owner and radio um, analyst. For the yeah. And of course, a city legend who played at Memphis State, played in the NBA. Yeah. Um, when I mentioned that he was going to be their, their representative, everybody got excited, like, oh, my gosh, they're going to get this pick. They're going to get this pick. <laughs> and I was surprised. I'm like, do, do you guys want this pick? Like, I, this, this draft is not really considered a strong draft. And, you know, you have a young team where you have 12 guys under contract, but do you, you really want to um, do this? Do you really want to get another young player when you try to get a veteran mid-level exception? Um, but people were excited about it. So, um, and of course, yes, there is the the slight chance. What they, if they, I think if they get the pick, they may get excited about James White. I think that it, let's, let's go one step at a time. If they get the pick, maybe they'll be like, oh, James White's been coming. But if they don't, then, Obviously, they'll move ahead, but I mean, it would be kind of funny if, you know, everything surrounding James Wiseman's career here in Memphis, whether it was um, his high school career, the three games he played before the NCAA ruled him ineligible, or if by some luck or way, Memphis got, you know, a pick to bring him back here. I mean, it would be kind of crazy. Um, but I think most people expect that that pick is probably not coming here. Um, so we'll see in a couple, they'll see you in a day. Yeah, I just had to throw that out there, seeing that. It, cause I think if James Wiseman somehow ended up on the Grizzlies, there may be a federal investigation coming down from somewhere. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, well, I'll tell you what. Too much Memphis and the NCAA have not really uh, seen out of eye over the years. I think some people would be like, you know what? This is one thing they can't take away. Right. This is one thing nobody can take away and be like conspiracy, conspiracy, because, you know, they can say it all they want. The New York Knicks have been hearing conspiracy talk for 35 years about that lottery pick. They're not protecting you. So. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, man. I, I'm you know, glad to, like I said, glad to talk to you about the Grizzlies. But uh, before before we go, uh, I just want to get a little, a little bit into your story and everything. And I've known you for a, a while, uh, you know, both being involved in, in the NABJ and stuff. And I, I know you're an L.A. guy. So, uh, you know, you've only recently been in Memphis. How long have you been in Memphis now? Two and a half years now. Okay. How, how have you been liking it? 
it's been great, man. Like, you know, I'm getting used to the, the culture, the community, the food, the barbecue, the, the, the laid back vibes here in Memphis. Like I've gotten used to it pretty well and I, I enjoy it here. It's a great city, um, great people. Um, I think it, it took me a while coming from LA to kind of get used to the pace of things. But the good news is that people here are so warm to you and they want you to love the city. And you can't help but love the city because it's, you know, a blue collar working class city that has a lot of heart and culture. I mean, this is a city that gave us, you know, stacks music. This is a city that gave us, you know, three six mafia, eight ball, eight ball, JG. Yes, sir. For those who love Elvis, Elvis is revered here. You yeah. Sun Studios. If you love Johnny Cash and and all that stuff, I mean, this is a city that's given so much to this this uh, this country. But when you come here and you really see how the people interact it's a very just great place to be so i'm enjoying it i i really enjoy being here and whenever someone calls me memphian i get proud because i feel like i've done my part to try to really embrace the best of the city and and you you've covered quite a bit down there you've been covering uh some stuff on the college level too and so it's it's interesting with a town like that you got that mix of college and pro uh, interest, you know, because for so long they didn't really have pro sports in that in that region. So I was just wondering, what was your what's your takeaway been on Memphis as a sports city uh, as you've been getting uh, to know it? Well, college basketball runs the city. Um, I, I'll never forget it when I moved here. I went to a Tigers basketball game. I was one of the first things I did, um, and I saw how the people reacted to the team. I saw how much they cared about the team. Um, I also basically heard people wanting Penny Hardaway as the head coach when mm-hmm. I got here. Sure. And then a few months later, Penny was the coach, you know. Um, they, but this is a very passionate sports town. They love the Tigers. They care about um, the Tigers basketball team. The football team, you know, now on this six-year run of being really good. So slowly more and more people are caring about the Tigers football team. And the Grizzlies, when they came here almost 20 years ago, you know, it took them a while, but they've been embraced. Obviously, the uh, the grit and grind era made them more beloved and you know had the form rocking. But what I love about the city is that it very it's a very what's the way to put it? It's like a big city with like a small town atmosphere. So you have people who are very passionate about their sports. Um, but yet it's like, you know, it's almost like a small town. This is our field, this is our city, our team. But yet Memphis has a national outreach. Like Memphis basketball people know because of Kenny, but also because of Derek Rose and um, People know Memphis football a little bit more because they're putting guys in the NFL. They went to the Cotton Bowl this past year, which, by the way, was one of the coolest experiences I had. Um, And the Grizzlies, people know. People even grew up up in L.A. You knew about the grit and grind area. You knew that they were going to be a tough physical team. You knew Zach Brent went from somebody people were intimidated by to somebody who comes to Memphis and is universally loved here. Everyone loves Zebo here. So it's a very fascinating and fun sports town where it's different from L.A., where it's like L.A.'s sports is, is passionate. And I don't think there's enough credit for that because everyone assumes we're doing so many different things up here. But L.A.'s a very passionate sports town. Here in Memphis, you feel that passion a little bit more because, you know, it is such a big part of the city's fabrics. So okay. it's, it's a very cool uh, very cool experience. Yeah, I just and, – and you speaking on that, I just was thinking about how – yeah, it's been about 20 years now, and Memphis has been playing on the West. They played a lot on the West Coast because they've been in the Western Conference. I've, I've seen someone recently on Twitter, I believe, mention, like, on the, out, on the, on the outs, uh, 
chance that Seattle gets back into the league and that sort of evens up the league again, that maybe Memphis should probably get moved to the east. If uh, you know, if Seattle gets back in the league, and they, of course, would be on the on the west. You know, do you think that might would that be a prudent move for Memphis? Do you think it would change a lot about the franchise if it if it moved to the east? It's the first time I thought about that, actually. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's because, you know, there's so much history with Memphis being a Western Conference team that it would take some time to get used to. It's like watching baseball and realizing that um, the Astros are an American League team. Yeah, because they've been a, yeah, so long they were an L team, yeah. Right, or the, or the Brewers. I think the Brewers were in the AL for the Switch League. Yep. Like, it would be weird. Um, especially for a city like Memphis, where they like tradition and things, um, that would probably put people off. Um, I don't know if it would help them in the future with the playoffs or help John Morant get into the All Star game because he's going to get into. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't think people would. Um, I don't know. I have to think about that a little more. I don't think people would like it, but you know. If Seattle did get a team, maybe, but I don't know. I don't think people would uh, people would like because people in Memphis are, are are very comfortable with what they like. <laughs> not yeah, not great with change or sudden change at least, huh? That's right. un- that's understandable. That's understandable. I guess, I, right quick, going back to to Memphis, the formerly Memphis State, the University of Memphis. Do you think that Penny is going to have a chance to? You know, he, it, it was a rocky first year given some of the stuff that went on with the NCAA. But do you think he has a chance? Well, second year, I should say. I think. It was second year, right? Yeah. Second year. Second uh, yeah. Do you think he has a chance to bring that program back to uh, the high caliber that it was when he was there and in the past when they've gone to Final Fours and stuff? I think people hope so. Like, people want that to happen. Um, I think it's going to, you know, take some time because, again, Penny is learning how to be a head coach. On a college level, um, and it's it's challenging, you know. For Penny, it's very much you know learning each year. Obviously, now you know with, with Mike Miller no longer on the staff, you know that was somebody who was very valuable as far as you know his um, having another person who had NBA pedigree played like him, who understood you know how to recruit and get players to buy in. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I think that for one, I think people want to see the team get the tournament. First. Let's get them in the tournament in year three, assuming we have a year three this season. Yeah. Um, but I think I think though that with this team, I mean, hey, there's a chance. But I think that right now, people people have they have very high expectations on Penny. Got they have very high expectations, and at the same time, the last two years, Penny has had a team just to the semifinals in the AAC tournament. So. I think they need to get to the tournament first. Then we can talk about if they can get to those heights again. Because I think after last year with so much hype around the team, having the number one recruiting class and everything else, and that not going to plan by the NCAA or other things like that, um, I hope people temper their expectations. And I'm going to do that right now. I'm not going to say that maybe they can get there, but I would say that if they keep building it, they'll be a consistent tournament team. And then maybe they can get back to their level. But right now, they got to get to the NCAA tournament. Okay. And uh, right quick, too, with the football team, they're expecting to play this year They in the American, right? 
Yeah, I mean, as of, as of right now, they're still on playing. They're still practicing. The AAC is not canceled yet. Um, they're not going to make a move until the Big 12, ACC, and SEC make a move. So they're on track to play September 5th. Um, it's, it's been very – it's weird because, um, you know, the head coach has been saying, you know, you know, we got blinders on. We just go day by day. We adjust if we need to. But it's hard to imagine just kind of, you know, college football being played this year without any problems. I mean, you look at what's happening with baseball, and now they've had so many games postponed. Um, there will be college football games postponed in positive tests. I, I think we can all just accept that. Yeah. Uh, the question is going to be, how many will it take for schools and conferences to basically say, we have to stop? I think that's what we're waiting to see. But right now, Memphis is going full speed ahead, and we'll see what happens um, they play in two weeks, so we'll see what happens as things go along. But, you know, there is that leering specter of COVID just kind of hanging over, like, you know, what if somebody tests positive for a game and people have to quarantine and here we go. You know, the dominoes start happening. So we'll see. But for now, Memphis is practicing as if they're going to play on September 5th. So game on. Man, two weeks. That's hard to imagine. But hope hope the best for them, man. But, uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Evan, man. I was glad to chop it up with you, man. Really enjoyed it learning more about Memphis and everything. And uh, and just wish the best for you down there, man. Uh, let it, uh, let my audience know, man, how they can reach you or, or you know follow you on social media or whatever. Of course, they could read you uh, in the Memphis commercial appeal. But uh, you know, how else can people reach you? Sure thing. And Kyle, thank you so much for having me on. By yeah. the way, too. I appreciate you getting to do this. So people can find me on Twitter, Evan underscore B. You can reach me at... Uh, the commercial appeal. You can read my stuff there. Um, I'm also on Twitter, so there's a good way to reach me too. So, you know. Empire Rising, and um, here for our Running With War Eliminated segments that we're doing, I'm uh, chopping it up with a real good friend, a, a great guy who has been on the grind for a while and has worked and got to a an NBA, uh, a, a NBA beat and is covering the Phoenix Suns, so, um, you know, I'm glad to have him on. He's been on the Dean Davis show. He's been on other programming that we've had, but he's out in Arizona now, and he's doing his thing. Like I said, covering the Suns for the Arizona Republic. Mr. Dwayne Rankin is uh, on Running With War for the first time. How you doing, bro? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, brother. What's up with you? I'm good, man. Just, you know, enjoying uh, – I'm, I'm getting some heat out here like y'all getting, man. I'm, I don't say that. <laughs> I'm just trying to stay cool. Well, it's probably not as bad as y'all. If it's if it's like 95 here, it's probably like 115 out there. Yeah, 
Brooklyn, it's 112, 115, something like that. You oh, know? man. Uh, you know, you just you just stay inside. Yeah. Or you, or you in and out. <laughs> you, know, you ain't out long. But, you know, you shouldn't be anyway. <laughs> right. That's true, yeah. I caught you earlier. You had the mask cause. You stay responsible. I, I ain't mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> Try to anyway, man. It's crazy out there, man. You got some people just don't want to be responsible, man. You know, so I, I can't, I can't worry, man. You know, I worry about what other people are doing because I am, but I mean, I got to work for myself. So uh, Arizona was pretty wild for a while. Is it has it gotten better out there? It's getting better with the COVID test. You know, it's, it's getting better, but still, you know, people just. Just gotta be smart, man. You know, you can't you can't be out here just acting like there's nothing going on. I think that was a that was a big problem in Arizona. You know, Phoenix and Arizona, just people just kind of kind like, all right, whatever. And you know, it's like, no, you can't do whatever. You know, you right? Have to, you know, be, be responsible. So I think that you know, people putting mandates on things. You know, what I'm saying you can't go in a certain spot without a mask. You know, I mean, I saw a, a lady the other day. You know, I was at. That was a good year, and lady was getting ready to walk in without her mask, even though the sign clearly says, you know, no mask. She was like, oh, I, I, I forget every time I go out, you know. I'm like, nah, yeah, come on. Well, a lot, you know, lot of freedom lovers out there in, in Arizona, I, I can imagine. Well, just, you know, you know, people don't want to be told what to do. You know, it's just what it is. I mean, people have a hard time being told what to do, and when you have people who, you know, kind of been living, doing their own thing, and then, you know, all of a sudden someone's saying, hey, look, you can't do this, you can't do that, and they don't, don't not, and they didn't really respond to that well, from my opinion, but, uh, you know, it, it is getting better, it's, it's still not safe enough for me to be walking around without a mask, and to get hand sanitizer in my pocket, you know, it's still not safe enough to, to drop those two things, but, but it is better, I, I have to admit it's better, I mean, but, you know, still got a long way to go. Yeah, definitely. That, that's all you can do in the end is take care of yourself, you know, right. if nothing else, you know. But, um, yeah, let's get to, to what we here for, man, talking about the Suns. And, you know, uh, the Suns had one of the more interesting rides down there in Orlando. You know, they went, they won all their games, but they didn't wind up in the, in the, in the playoffs proper. They didn't even wind up in the, in the playing game. So, you know, just starting off, like, from from your point of view as a guy who's followed the team, you know, what do you think they've taken from that experience and, and what what has it meant to them? You know, a lot of people are high on them right now, but they didn't get that experience of getting to play in the actual playoffs. Right, right. I, 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 look, at it, I look at it in a couple of ways. One, you know, they were able to – be a, you know, they, if you look at them, the last three wins, first of all, you know, I, you, you can't, you can't front them going 8 no. I mean, considering the circumstances, uh, they did very well to go 8 no on the ball. They did great. I mean, the only, only team they lost to was uh, Boston, and that was an exhibition game. And you can see how well Boston's playing. So, you know, they, they lost to a really good, to, to a really good team, a playoff team. But, you know, they beat Utah and, and, uh, Toronto in the exhibition game. The Durant is exhibition, but I thought they kind of set them up to move forward and to play the way they did. If you look at the last three wins, you know, you could, you could put an asterisk beside them. I mean, because 
OKC rested like five guys. Philly was without five guys. You know, Embiid, Simmons, you know, obviously Simmons has been out with the knee. And so key guys were rested in those two games. Sure, yeah. Uh, Dallas, well, the last game against Dallas, you know, Luka didn't play second half. You know, so those last three are kind of like, you know, not, not, not given, but not exactly much of a challenge either. But the first, first, the first four, first four or five. I mean, they, you know, beating Dallas that first game uh, by two, and then went off over the Clippers. Then they beat Indiana, which was undefeated at the time in the bubble. And then they beat Miami. And Miami didn't have Butler, but Miami, you know, played a certain style. So, you know, they they have a culture there, obviously. So that, that five and zero start to me is more impressive than the eventual eight and zero because they they won some. They won. They they won. Those games I thought were legitimate, you know, wins. Not that the other ones aren't, but this, but more legitimate is what I should say. So yeah. I think they got ways to, you know, work together. I, you know, I think that crazy thing about it, I think that, you know, they got to know each other far better than they did when they were during the season. You know, it was like, they, you know, not, I don't want to call it forced, but, you know, it was like, wasn't much to do, you know, in, in the ball. So they spent a lot of time together. I think Devin got to know his teammates far better than he ever has, uh, you know, during the season. So I think that helped. The fact that they won without Oubre and the Baines not playing a game, I thought that was significant. You know, they got some contributions. The guy, you know, Cam Johnson, you know, rookie. He's no longer a rookie. He played well. Bridges played well. Sorry, showed he can come off the bench and play well. Yeah, yeah, y'all got some game from campaign with which hurt us up in Chicago. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> You're like, where was this dude at? Yeah, he had one game, and it was like my man, uh, uh, KC, Kevin Durant, he had like 
It would have been. Yeah. It would have been good. You know, <laughs> it would have been one of the third endings. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. But we just got smashed. So I think that the way they ended, you know, and you can, I think you can even tell with the players. I think it was. <laughs> I think it was one of those things where they wanted to get in the playoffs. I think they were happy the way it ended. You know, I think they were content at that point. Like, you know what, we did so we said we wanted to go eight and zero in the bubble. We did that. We did all we could do. We get in, great. We don't. We don't. I think they left satisfied. But now, because they didn't get in, now it's like, okay, let's let's, let's get every you know, let's let's tighten up some stuff, and uh, you know, let's let's, let's got to make some moves in the off season. And, and, you know, now we can come back the next year and really make that push for a playoff spot. So I think overall it worked out for the best because I think they'll be hungry to get back. And if they showed in that, in that eight, 11, that eight game plus the three exhibition games, hey, they, they, can, they can be a really, good, a really good team. Now, again, you can't dismiss that 65 when they went 26 and 39. I mean, that, you can't dismiss that. Yeah. But, it's current eleven. I mean, they they they, they show they that they're capable. Now, question is, can they continue to build off of that? Yeah, well, they, you know, they still got a lot of developing to do, but went out on a high note at least. And right. yeah, and you mentioned the off season, and I think Phoenix. It seems to me is going to be an interesting spot where maybe they may get some play from some free agents and stuff. I don't know how serious it will be, but it would seem that given the young talent y'all got that it would be a place that could be tempting for some guys out there, or maybe you guys may be in play for some trades or something like that. Do you think that this, what do you think the team should prioritize in regards to adding talent or developing the talent that they got? If, if you just look at the team, the, what they got right now, you know, Baines is an unrestricted free agent. I think Baines is gone. Okay. Uh, but, I, but, but you don't know how much he can, you know, it's like, like we, this free agency this year is going to be crazy. Like, you don't know how much money is going to really be available to teams. So I'm just wondering how much can he get out there on the market as opposed to if he stays, like maybe he signs a one-year deal and tested the market the next year. But then he's going from 33 going on 34, 34 going on 35. Like, this is the time if he's going to get something to end his career with, this is the time to do it. So, uh, and he, he played a role for this team. You know, he, he's a big guy that's an enforcer that can, that, that can shoot the three. And so I think that you got to look at what they do with him. But, you know, the key piece is Oubre, Kelly Oubre Jr. I mean, he, he's, a, he's on a two-year deal. Next year will be the second year of his deal. His name was in the trade talk before the trade deadline. So now, you know, if you look at what they did with Bridges and Cam Johnson, you know, he's got to be looking and going, okay, do we have what we need at that position with those two guys? Yeah. And if they feel that way, then they may try to, you know, ship Oubre before the – you know, to get to get something in return because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after next season. So, do you want to just, you know, bank on the fact that, hey, we may, you know, we may we, we may need to, we may not be able to get, you know, he, he, he might bounce 
after next season and you get nothing in return? Or do you try to move him and get something for him before the trade? So it's like they got to – to me, he's the piece. Like if, if they going to keep him, if he's going to be their guy moving forward, then that's going to affect what they do with everybody else, to me. If they just – you know, if they decide to move him, then whatever they get in return is going to you know, impact what they do. I know that, you know, Van Vliet's name is out there because, you know, they were saying that, you know, it's been reported that I'm on vacation. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to stay out of it. But, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm seeing it, you know, so the phone kind of, so I'm trying to put this away. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to, like, decide yeah. so I don't get distracted, you know, from my lounging. Trying to enjoy yourself, yeah. I'm trying, but it's hard, you know. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, saying that New York, uh, Phoenix, and I can't think of the other team, Detroit. Okay. Those three teams that were interested, that, 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 will, that should be interested in getting him because you're looking at Rubio, you know, you look at Rubio, you know, God bless him. You know, he, he's, <laughs> he's, a, he's a very good player, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know. He can get war now. So it's like, he's just the president. He's not the future point guard. So they're looking at Van Fleet and thinking he can be the future point guard. Yeah. So it's like, if you bring him in, then, you know, Van Fleet sitting in Toronto going, listen, man, I'm, I'm loving it here. So I don't know how you can convince this guy to bounce, but, uh, you know, that would be interesting to see if they did get someone like him because he could be someone they could play, you know, for the next five, seven years. But I always find it interesting. I don't know about you, but when you have a guy like that that's, that's thriving in, like, a situation that's really ideal for him, could be, you know, yeah. it'll play out, you know what I'm saying, on a new team. Diminishing returns, yeah. Right, right, right. It's kind of like, you know, yeah, he, he looking great here, but the thing is, that's going to just translate. He's going to just pick up right where he left off. Because more will be asked of him in Phoenix than it is in Toronto. So I'm, I'm very, you know, that, that always intrigues me when teams look at guys, look, look, you know, looking at a guy and go, oh, he could be a great fit here. Well, you know, because he's playing a certain way there. Well, just because he plays there that way, don't mean he can play this way here. So Uber to me is key and and you know they got to figure out a way to to put the, the the Cam and Mikhail the way that looks in the bubble. You know, Phoenix got some decisions to make on whether what they're going to do with Uber and then Aiden is always topic of conversation here. It's like people, you know, every 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 shot Luca makes. <laughs> they look at Aiden like yo. Yeah. Man, Everybody in that draft is getting scrutinized extra hard now because right, right, right. Like we could have had Luca. <laughs> right, like Sacramento. They're looking at them like, yo. Ooh, they right. done had some bad picks, man. Right, right. So, so it's like Aiden is, is just like constantly having to live with that. And the only way you shake it, man, is to get your team in the same position that, that Luca has his team. So, yeah. uh, if he's going to be the second best player on the team, to me, he's the most talented player they got. Oubre is the most explosive, 
you know, he's, he's a guy, his upside to me is, I mean, he, he, he does things, you know, as Devin would say, only Kelly can do. I mean, he, he, sure. he is a phenomenal athlete and, uh, you know, that doesn't seem to get tired. Like he just all night, all night, all day and all night. And so, you know, Aiden is someone that they want to be that, 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 that one-two punch with Devin. See, Devin's situation to me, like that, if anybody in the bubble helped him out tremendously because he went from all this guy can do is score to, okay, he just might be somebody. You know what I mean? Like he went from that. People gotta respect him now. Right, right. You gotta respect his game now. Respect. So, you know, Aiden didn't make that transformation. You know, he yeah. went from, you know, okay, this this guy's a young and 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 he, he, he's capable. He shows flashes to, oh man, he missed the COVID test. And, you know what? You know what is this? You know, it's like where where we at with it? So, yeah. Uh, you know, I've, 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 I've been fortunate enough to, to get to know him a little bit, and, and I think that his heart is, you know, in a good place, and, and he's a good guy. But you know, when you when you when you come up short on and off the floor, like he did, really to me in the last three games, you know, obviously missing that COVID testing period, and then I don't think he played up to his capabilities. You know, who knows if he'll ever play up to the cap- to what is being asked of him. But then to add the fact that Luca is doing what he's doing isn't helping <laughs> at all. <laughs> I I would love to see uh, to see Aiden unleash himself with y'all out there. But you know, regardless of the pieces that you have, you know, with you know, and y'all got good pieces, like you say, him and Ubre and Bridges and you know, some of these other guys, but it all comes down to Booker. And like you say, Booker reached another level of stardom potentially in the bubble. And I think there's certain things that come with that. Like you, like, uh, you know, you gotta, I, I think about how Draymond got you know, tampered on national TV mentioning him. So I'm like, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on on the rise of Booker and what that could mean. Obviously, you know, I, as a as an observer, I would like to see him stay in Phoenix and build the Suns back up to a championship contender. But I know there's going to be a lot of people hawking them, like like Draymond, you know, like the Warriors and, and, and other. I'm sure there's a half a half at least half the league. Whenever they there's any chance. To, to get on, on Booker, they're going to want to get on him. So uh, how do you think that the franchise is handling that right now? Well, it's interesting that, you know, I talked with Devin before uh, the end of last season. And because he was about to jump into the, you know, the, the, this kind of extension was about to kick in. Okay. And he was saying how, you know, one of the things they discussed was that, you know, him being more involved in in, in the decision-making on who comes in and who doesn't. Sure. He's like saying, you know, I'm not here to, you know, they're not going to, you know, I'm not making the decisions, but, you know, I'm being contacted. That's what his thought was. Okay, I'm going to be contacted. I'm going to be, they're going to let me know what they're doing, what the plans are and stuff like that. 
And so, and so then obviously they didn't, they didn't, they didn't pull the trigger on Russell. So then it was, there was boy, you know, and so it was like, okay, what, what, what is this, you know, what, what, what they doing? You know, you asked, you know, Jerry James Jones, he's like, well, you know, the Devin is still, you know, basically saying Devin is still the player. We made the decisions. Devin's still the player. Yeah. But, you know, we will listen to him, but. Franchises know, win championships. He has a role. We have a role. Yeah. Okay. So now, you know, you fast forward to now, it's like people are looking at him and going like, yo, Phoenix, you know, y'all need to do more. For this guy, and clearly, he's he's he, he he's now being considered, you know, even a more a realer deal than he was, you know, before that. To make an All Star team help to help some, but this bubble thing really, you know, raised his NBA profile. And so now, your Phoenix, you know, to me, it's like the pressure is on. Okay, you got this player who clearly has shown that he can be. He can be special. Now, what are you going to do? Are you going to are you going to make some moves to, to get to get even better pieces around him? What are you going to do to help? Because I I wrote before the bubble that he was in a win win situation. That if if, if, if if well in the bubble, he would get a great deal of the credit, which he did. If they didn't do well in the bubble, they ain't going to blame him because it's like, well, what you got working with this guy? So it's like. Now, because of what he's done with no Uber no Baines, and the way he played, it's like now what are the Suns going to do to help build even a greater situation for him so he can win, you know, win and be in a playoff situation? You know, you, got, you probably got the right head coach. I think Monty Williams was the best thing they did last summer. You know, they hired him. You got the right coach. Uh, you got some pieces, but – what are you going to do now? They build a new practice facility. They're building that. It's supposed to be done by the end by the end of next month. They're redoing the arena. All these things are being done. So now, the, the, the final step to that is get better players to go with Devin Booker. You have good players. You have some that are really good. You have some that can be great. But are you going to leave it there? Are you going to stop there and just say, hey, well, we just going to keep these guys together and we go at another year? Or are you going to be aggressive and say, you know what, we need to get him this and then we get him a power forward that's more athletic. We need to get him another shooter. We need to get, you know, what are you going to do to help him achieve what y'all think y'all should be at and that's to become a playoff team? So it, it ended great, but the way that Devin came out of it now is looking like things has got to do more. Hmm. And, and, and you talk about the spotlight, like Devin, I, I don't know what's going on, but he got to know whoever he is now friends with. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Jenner. Uh, <laughs> the, hey, yeah, the one camera. of the gen- that, That's all you need to know, the Jenner girls, yeah. Like they taking the pictures and he looking at he looking around like, oh they got, you know, hey, hey, you know, you you become a celebrity now, you know, you 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 got that dude. But the the way I I I hate, 
I, I kind of don't want to go into this, but I kind of I do. And um, I don't I don't know how much you kept up on this, but there was the young lady who mentioned yeah, her her hotel her, her hotel experience, and she yeah, yeah, she yeah, two years ago yeah that it wasn't Devin and that he was oh he didn't have a he, had, he didn't have a girlfriend at the time right but it said it wasn't Uber Uber wasn't there Uber wasn't on the team. But then, or something to that effect. But I, I saw that. Yeah, I saw. Has that. has that been a scandalous thing down there or, at all? Or? Uh, <laughs> not really. I mean, because I mean, I mean, it's being talked about on Twitter. You know, it's like it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a it's a topic. But I don't think it's something that they're like, you know, highly. It, it isn't enraging people. From what sure. I gather, again, I'm again, I've been on vacation. <laughs> You're right. So, so, so I'm getting like flashes, bang, bang. You know, I'm not sitting there fully studying the situation right now, but from what I'm, my pulse is telling me, from what I'm seeing, it is not a huge deal. But there are some fans that are like, you know, man, you know, uh, it, it's not a good look. But I, I think that when you when you're in this situation. Uh, the here and now, considering the way it is right now, um, is taking precedent over something that happened. You know, and I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss. I, I saw her initial interview, and I was like, well, she didn't mention the team. And then I saw her conversation she's having with fans, and, and then I'm like, wow. Like, that's the thing about that. You know, it's like, they don't have no filter. Yeah, you know, like like that their job or not their job, but their their I don't want to call it a job. It kind of is their job, though. Kind of is. I don't want to put it in there. I don't want to put it in that context. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. I guess the way I'm doing that, like like they're like like to do what they're doing as far as Instagram, it, it, it's to be open. It's not to be. They're not to you know hold information. It's to tell. You know, right. It's, it's, okay, it's, it's to express themselves. And so it's like. Man, like it, it's really, it's really uh, something that uh, when you look at what this franchise has tried to do, um, it's just another thing where you're like, see, there you go. Yeah, and, you know, and it seems like it, it seems to be one of those things that uh, that is kind of natural to happen with a young team and a, and a team that has a potential superstar on it, like like Devin, you know. It, they sort of draw some of the wrong attention sometimes, along with right. the good attention. Right, and, and, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I would love to talk to this person. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, you know, I would love to be like, listen, let's let's, let's have a, to really find out what, what 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 happened. Like, like I mean, it, it, it looks bad, but then I'm like, okay, my curiosity is like, well, let's, you know, I, I would like to really figure it out. Um, you think that's something the Republic would let you run? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that's something we would obviously discuss. You might have to. You might have to send that over to Little at, at Black at, uh, Black Sports or something. <laughs> <laughs> he probably already on. <laughs> brother, he probably already know what happened. Now he's all over that kind of stuff. I mean, again, when you when you're covering a team, okay, you know you have to. All right, it's just worth it. 
You know, you have, you have to make that call. And so, you know, right, you know, I'm, I'm not ready to, to, to pursue that. Uh, but, it, but, but it's something that's in the back of your head because if something else happens, then it becomes, okay. See, yeah. You know. These things it, can, yeah. Yeah, if, if, if something else happens later, then you're like, I right, see, you know. I mean, then you, then you, then, you, then, you, then it automatically pops up. So, uh, you, you know, Monty, this was obviously pre-Monty Williams, and so you're hoping if you're a Suns fan, you're hoping that he has had enough influence on this young team that that won't happen again. But again, you're talking about guys between the ages of. 20 to 25. Yeah. 26. I mean. Do you think that's the case with Monty that he's he's making a difference and making this team more mature and professional? Well, he, he gave, Monty gave instant credibility. Before they hired him, they were the franchise that couldn't keep a coach, couldn't keep a GM. The owners got issues. Uh, they're losing. Uh, you know, they, they, everything was negative. Yeah. And then we hired him, and then all of a sudden it became, oh, okay, they, they, they did something right. And then he, he he's someone that's, you know, considered, he has a, uh, not only does he have respect amongst the league, uh, the, the coaches in the league, he has respect from the players in the league. Yeah. So, you know, they, you know, if, if, if someone has an issue, uh, with him, then it becomes like, what's your problem? You know, like, like, why you have an issue with this guy? And so I think that that set a tone, and for for what has happened since. Now he's not perfect by a long shot either, but I think he comes from a place of you know he's he's, he's dealt with tragedy, obviously losing his wife, and he, he's, a, he's you know so being able to bounce back from that, he has uh, not that that's still doesn't hurt because it's still good with him. Uh, but he, he has a he has a belief, faith, and and he talks to the, the players and tries to be honest with them. And and even uh, DeAndre was saying that you know that him and Monty bumped heads uh, during the you know during the season, hmm. but that you know he, he respects uh, coach, that's what he does, and. You know, talked about him being like a father figure and, and, and things of that nature. So it's like he he's gained the respect of the player, and because he, I mean, he put those guys, man, you know, guys, he had them working. Like you would see certain days. I think he had a practice on Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. On the actual and, holiday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he had a practice on Thanksgiving. Wow. And so uh, he was like, "Oh, they got time to." Get home and eat. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm sitting there looking at him like, really? Like, that's, that's, okay. So, you know, I don't think that would have happened uh, you, the season before with, with, with Eagle. I don't remember if they priced on Thanksgiving or not, but, you know, I, I do know that, that Monty is far more, uh, you know, he's far more disciplinary in terms of of guys working. You know, he's all about work. You know, his whole thing, everything on the other side of hard. You know, he's all about work. So, you know, guys 
have to condition themselves that that's what it's going to be. And so I think that that's helped them in terms of the focus. Uh, and again, the bubble, what he, what, what the best thing that happened for him was that what they did in the bubble validated what he's been preaching all season. Sure. Yeah. So now, when it comes to next year, next season, all he got to do is say, hey, you know what? You know, you know why you want eight on the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. If y'all want to you know, have that kind of success, then this is this what has to be done. If you don't, then okay. But if you do, then you know what it takes. And so I think that he, he's, been a, he's been a major uh, – he, he would be someone that they hired the right guy, and now the question becomes you – know, he even told me, like, during this season, he was like, you know, you can have good guys on your team, but they may not fit what you want. And now Suns got to figure out the guy they have fit the culture – you know, they seem to play well in it. Do they fit what you're looking for? Or do they need to go out and get some other guys to fit what they really want? And then Monty Williams is probably, along with Devin, you know, at the top of that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think, I, I really do think, and, and from people I've been talking to here on on my show and, and online and stuff, like a lot of people are excited to see what the Suns are going to bring in this upcoming season. So, you know, I it is it's pretty competitive out there in the West. A lot there's quite a few young teams on the rise out there, but I think the Suns have a chance to be one of those better teams if they it, it seems like if they stick to and, and buy into what uh Monty is 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 giving them as a coach and stuff. But but before we wrap up, you know, like you said there may be a chance. There may be a need for one more player on that team, another star, maybe. So I just want to get your thought. Like, if you could pick any one player, regardless of their contract situation at the moment or whatever, that you think would be ideal to fit on that team and and play alongside Booker and Aiton and those guys to put them over the top. Who do you think that would be? I I, I don't. Well, 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 just real quick, you do know Dallas is, is a seventh seed. So, so, so yeah. that's how tough West is. Yeah, Dallas is, yeah. Dallas, Dallas is a seventh seed, okay? Yeah. Hey, you know, so, 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 you know, they can, they can make some improvements and still might not be enough to get in. Yeah, you're right, you're right. We might not be enough to get in the playoffs. So, I mean, that's, and that's the challenge that they, that they're facing them, but, um, who, who, who would be someone that uh, that would be an ideal fit? Yeah, uh, I, you know the, the point guard position is what you know. It, 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 listen, you, know, you, you, you know you need them right now. You just gotta just you know, you know Rubio just gotta you know you want to cut his minutes. So you know, you know Cameron Payne wasn't bad. You know he was pretty good. So I, I don't uh, so. I, I think I think you can live with that um, if, if he can, you know, be someone that can be productive. I mean, I, I think you can live with that. And you can it'd be, it'd be good to have a point guard, but whoever you bring in, you're not gonna start him over Rubio. So it's it's just like 
unless you bring it in just a flat stud who just and then now it's like why why you spend a shitty one million on Ricky Ruby? Yeah. Like now it's just like why are you spending that money on this guy? So you know it's like how many more years does Rubio have on his deal? You say two? So, two, yes. Okay. So, you know, so it's like, come on, man. Like, I don't know if this is the time to do that. But then the market may, you know, the situation may tell you, okay, this is the time. So, but that being said, I'm always looking at, I still think that we can spot as before. I think Cam can play the four, but he's, a, he's really a three. So I, I don't think that – I think they need a more athletic four. What about like an Aaron Gordon or somebody? Aaron Gordon could be – is, is, it could be. Uh, if you bring in Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon going to want shots. Yeah. You know, you, 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 you know, you know you're going to be like the Atlanta Hawks. Sitting <laughs> every seven seconds. You know, it's going to be back to seven seconds or less. If you bring it in Gordon, because, you know, he's going to one shot. You obviously, you're keeping, again, Oubre is pivotal. Whatever they do with him is going to turn what they do completely out. Because if you were to keep Oubre and say you brought in Aaron Gordon, and then you brought in, obviously, you still got Booker, uh, Cam Johnson. They're going to want him to take threes. And Aiden, listen, man, that's, that's a lot of people that want to shoot. You know, and, 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 and you know, Aiden can get. You know, I guess he could get. He doesn't have to, but then now if you and I let him shoot. Then okay, why do you have? You know, why is he say? Why is he the second best player on the team? So there's a lot that when you bring in a guy that wants to, that feels like he could be a star, or has been a star somewhere else. I look at guys who, who don't necessarily have to be the star, but can give you what you need. Uh, like say, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Grant. Okay. So, so, uh, it could be a he could be a four. He's, a, he's athletic. He can shoot the three. He run. He gets up and down. He plays pretty. He plays good D. I think he would be ideal uh, to, to 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 be your starting four. I look at Gallinari at OKC. He's someone that can stretch the floor uh, a lot more athletic than what you think. Has good size, you know what I'm saying? Like he's a big dude, right? Uh, with, with some with some good handle. Uh, so I, I look at guys like that. That if you brought got one of those one of those types in, that can seamlessly fit in, and you know, but better than Sarge, because the guy has to be better than Sarge. <laughs> and then you, you know, it can't be someone that's even with Sarge. Because then it's like, okay, what you doing? It's got to be better than Sarge. So Sarge can remain on the bench. Right. You can bring him on the bench to be that four or five guy. And then maybe you play Cam at the four uh, coming off the bench. And then maybe you have a situation where you're playing small ball. Then you can move Cam to the four and play Aiden at the five. And you can, you can have that versatility. But Grant... And Gallinari are the first two players that come to my mind because I think that they need a more athletic four that can defend another team's four. Because Sarge, God bless him, but sometimes he's guarding people, and I'm just like, <laughs> just, 
Nah, nah, it's ain't working. It's not working, you know, for them. So, if you got a more athletic four that can defend as well as, you don't have to be a guy that's giving you, you know, 15, 16 points a game. And, you know, even, even in the draft, like, you know, Toppin from Dayton, his name, his name is being thrown out there. He would be ideal if he dropped down to, to, to that 10th, 10th pick. He's an athletic guy. He could get after it on the glass. Uh, you know, even last year, uh, the kid out of uh, Memphis, uh, Brandon Clark. Oh, uh, yeah. In Phoenix, he would have been ideal, you know, to play the four. But, you know, then if you do that, then you're not getting what you ended up getting with Cam. So it, was, it, it worked out for both teams. But they need a four like that, you know, that's, that's athletic, can shoot it, defend, protect the rim, help eight on the glass. You need that kind of four, man. And and, and if, if Grant or Gallinari was available to get at, those two to me would be ideal uh, because it would make Sarge still have to come off the bench. And Sarge was someone that struggled coming off the bench before, but I think Sarge realized, hey, look, you know, this is this is. If you're going to be on a really good team, you need guys that could be starting somewhere else, coming off the bench. And right. Sarge could be that guy. So, so yeah, Sar- Sarge is. Yeah, Sarge is starting for a sorry team, but he's a right. good rotational guy on a playoff team. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's that's exactly right. Like he's a rotational guy on a playoff team, and if you need guys like that. If you're going to make a, a run at a playoff spot, and he 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 would be perfect coming off the bench, your sixth man, seventh man, and he's a banger. You know he'll work hard. You know he got a little post up in. He can knock down the knock down the three. Clearly, like I say, he's not he's not nearly as athletic as the guys I named before, but he's of good value as a uh, as a as a backup as a backup four or five. But again. It's all, it's, to me, it's all over. Whatever they do with him, I'm going to dictate whatever they do after that. But back to pick two, it'd be, called, it'd be Grant first and then Gallinari, one and one A. I like Grant because – and, and you, never, you, you never know because Denver may be wanting to make some changes if they – especially if they get knocked out of the first round this year as a, as a high seed, you know. They may, be, they may want to make some changes, so you never know. And also at the same time, like, and that's one of the reasons I think he might he may, it might work out because you, you see when they play, they playing Porter more than they playing Grant. Yeah, yeah they, they believe in Porter. There's a way it's looking. They think Porter is that guy, and uh, so if you think Porter's your guy, you can find the backup. You know, they're saying, well, you know, Millsap situation. Look, if they think Porter is there, it can be he can play the four. Yeah, they can go out and find a backup. They yeah. can, you know, but then are you worried about Porter's injury situation? He looks healthy. He looks healthy to me. I mean, Porter's been doing major stuff, even though they get ready to be eliminated uh, next couple of days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you you got to let them go at some point. That's that's the wow. same thing I think with New Orleans and um and uh and Zion. Like you got to let them run at some point, man. You know. I know you worried that he made something may happen to him, but you gotta let him run. 
Oh yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. No, I mean, I mean, if I'm, but again, I, I think that's part of Denver's situation. Like, what do they do with, with you know? Because again, they're playing Portimore and they're playing Grant. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a reason for that. I mean, this, this ain't no experiment. Like, like when they was in the bubble, you know, playing those seating games and the exhibitions. Okay, I got it. But now you're in the playoffs, and he's playing more now than he did then. No, I mean, it, it, this this is this is by design. You know, yeah. they think that this guy is their future, so... Uh, yeah, definitely the future. Yeah, 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 no doubt. So, I mean, hey, if that's what they... If that, I mean, that's how they're seeing it, then somebody got... Somebody gonna be out of it. And, yeah. and you know, Graham may be a better. Yeah, and yeah. if he ends up on Phoenix, I think that'd be pretty dope. But I think, either or, I think Phoenix has a good future ahead of him, man. So, I'm gonna look forward to seeing how you cover them, man, and, and I hope things go well for you out there in, in Arizona, and, and you can keep cool however you can. <laughs> I'll try. It's 114 degrees. <laughs> it's 114 right now. 114. It was 114. When we started. I'm gonna look it up real quick, just 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 to check. See, so you wiping your forehead. Woo. Yeah, I could. I couldn't handle that, man. Got you sweating, you like you ain't even here. <laughs> oh yeah, there it is, hundred and fourteen. Wow, hundred and fifteen. I get. I hope you got the AC pumping, man. Oh man, you know AC, you know it, it's blowing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just not allowing it to, you know, enter, enter, enter the frequency of this conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's not, it's not overriding you. I, I can hear you good, man. So. This should come out pretty well. But man, Dwayne, man. Man, you keep doing your thing, man. I'm happy for you, you know, make make this happen. I know you're gonna, you know, make it make it make it make it rain or rain on this. So Yeah, definitely, man. I'm glad I'm glad to reach out, be able to reach out to you and talk to you, man. And I'm I'm glad you're doing well. So like after your vacation, you know, people can pretty much uh check you out on the on the Republic. Website and stuff, right? No question. I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I'm tweeting stuff out now, just, just you know, stuff I see. But you know, but back on that, you know, back inside that, inside the fort. Now I'm, 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 I'm outside of the fort right now. You know, feet up. You know, you know, <laughs> trying, try, trying to relax a little bit. <laughs> let my, let my people know how to follow you or whatnot if they want to get that that real deal on the Suns. You can follow me uh, on Twitter, Dwayne Rankin, D-U-A-N-E-R-A-N-K-I-N. Uh, I got an Instagram account as well. Uh, Frank Barnes, R-A-N-K-B-A-R-N-E-S. Uh, got, you know, so I'm, I'm on both fronts now. You know, letting people know what I see, what I think, what I feel, what I notice, what I don't notice, what I'm not into, what I'm into. Uh, Instagram is a little more personal uh, stuff, you know, on there. But, but, uh, but nah, you know, just... Hey man, this is this is this is the NBA. You know, people watching the bubble and getting all excited and screaming for Luca. And, 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 who who and, who do you who are you liking in the West right now? Do you, you think you think uh, LeBron and them gonna hold on or was somebody I gonna mean, upset them? I mean, I, 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 I mean, well, I mean, we all listen. We all want to see Clippers Lakers. That's what we want. I mean, that's just that's just cut cut through the. Through, 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 the, through, the, through the mess. That's what we want to see. But, you know, Paul George is acting like he don't want that to happen right now. Yeah. So I, 
I, I don't know what's going on with him, but if he don't play better, man, that that, that series is. I mean, Kawhi is looking around like, yo, man, I, I, I didn't expect to have to be exerting myself like this this early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was trying. I, you know, I knew I had to do this when we played the Lakers, but you know, this first round, me, you know, having to drop thirty something for us to to be in the game. Well, he may want to think about guarding Luca a little more and not having Reggie Jackson on him. That, that, that was just, you know, like, they, they, they be switching all day. And, and yeah, I mean, I get it. One of the people saying you should switch, but I mean, they, they're their program. That's where they're at right now. Everybody switches. Yeah. It's natural. Like, that's, why, that's why you don't even need to set screen no more. Dude, just run up there. And, and then he just moves out of the way, and, and the, the guy that was guarding the other guy follows him, and then it's a switch. You don't even got to send a screen some of the time to get the switch. So, I mean, it, they just, they're just programmed like that. I mean, I, I tell you what, uh, he probably won't switch again. But <laughs> with all that being said, look, man, it's a step back three, then shot at air ball threes two or three times in the game. And... Come on, man. That just was a hell of a shot. I yeah, mean, you can't guard I mean, it. Yeah, you really I mean, couldn't guard it. Hell of a shot. I mean, that just to me, he, 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 you know, plum ankle, step back. Come on, man. Like that was insane, but he did. But again, it's 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 one game, and if the Clippers do what they're supposed to do, they'll get him out of six. Yeah. In my, my opinion. If Paul George comes to play next two games, it's over in six games. That's so, a that might be a big if though. <laughs> it's, it's the biggest if going right now. Like it's the biggest if in the ball. Like because the way he's playing right now, it's like, hey, oh man, you you you, you don't want to do it. Listen, all that stuff he was talking, him and Damian Lillard going back and forth, and and, and Pat Bev and. Come on, man. Yeah, you got you, you. You can't. You cannot lose a series. You just cannot. Nah. Can't. Can't do it. I mean, you can't do it. You, you, you on a team that you on the best team you've ever been on, from top to bottom. You're probably playing for the best coach you ever played for. Maybe playing for the best organization you ever played for in your hometown, and you lose in the first round. Yeah. Come on, man. That can't happen. It ain't can't a good happen. look at all, man. <laughs> <laughs> ain't a good look at all. They calling him Pandemic P right now, man. Hey, on, man. So you know what? It's time to go. <laughs> it's time to go. I know you I had to go on that one, man. They got to go on that one. It's time to go. But the, the Lakers and Portland about to come on, so I'll let you enjoy that and enjoy the rest of your day, man. All right, brother. Appreciate you, man. Keep doing your thing, man. Anytime you want me on, man, I got you. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. All right, now. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Wayne Rankin, man. That's the that's the man right there. ArizonaRepublic.com. Arizona Republic. Wherever you see that, you see the Suns coverage. You'll see that you you hear from that man. So definitely check him out. All right, we'll keep it going. We are RegalRadio.com. This is the Running With War show.
episode two. Back at it. This is the Running With War podcast. And we are welcoming another special guest here and our series of interviews with special, uh, you know, uh, experts and specialists, people who cover the uh, NBA teams who have been eliminated, who have already gone through the elimination process in uh, the the NBA and the, and the bubble and everything. And uh, on the line with me now, I have a real cool sister out of D.C. doing her own thing for a minute, you know, blogging, writing, broadcasting. And she's the host of the the Running with Rainbow show. Rolling. Rolling with Rainbow. See, I'm, I'm, I'm confusing you with my show. I got the Running with War, <laughs> and you got Rolling with Rolling with Ramos. It's Miss Mikkel Ramos out of D.C., Chocolate City, repping. And, uh, you know, we're going to get into some other stuff with D.C. A, a major story in D.C. Uh, came down uh, today with the passing of John Thompson. We're going to get into that later. But uh, I want to talk, you know, just first off, get your thoughts on these Wizards. And, um, you know, being a, 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 a sports journalist in D.C., you know, what, what are your thoughts on that team? They they came into the bubble, the only Eastern team that wasn't technically in the playoffs at the time of, of the of the of the start of the games. And, you know, they they didn't equip themselves the best way. You know, they didn't they weren't able to get up in that in that top eight. They, and in fact they kind of fell behind a couple teams for a while there. They even fell behind my Bulls, which I had found it hard to believe, you know, and uh, and as far as the the win loss, you know, because they had played their games and lost, and the Bulls won by not playing, you know, that's that's kind of the best they can do, but uh, though the Wizards, you know, had had a little struggle there, but, you know, but they've had some issues with injuries and stuff like that, you know. If you just want to give your overall thoughts on the team, a, a young team too, uh, by and large. You know, but uh, you want to give your thoughts overall on that team and where they're standing coming out of that bubble experience. What, what, what have, have you observed them coming out of it? I mean, let's be perfectly clear. I think the fact that they even went to the bubble, I think everybody's thinking that's a miracle in their own hands. I don't think nobody thought that the Wizards were going to be able to go, but they made the cut. Did anybody expect them to stay there? No. Um, but um, <laughs> they, they, in fact, did go. Um, I think the questions and the issues that surround the Wizards are the same issues and questions that surrounded the Wizards before the pandemic and prior to this year. Um, John Wall is hurt. Um, he's trying to come back. He's looking good. He's coming, trying to make a comeback. Um, so, and, and, and they paid Bradley, and they paid, paid, paid John Wall a lot of money prior to him touring. So now we have to wait for him to come back. Um, what type of player is he going to be now? He, he, because Terry Kirkini is so easy, man. Um, you got to see how much he can gel back with the team again. You also have Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill had taken over and reigned as far as the team. But you just realize that sometimes in some aspects, does Bradley Bill get the respect that he deserves? Does he got the respect that he deserves because he's the biggest John Wall team? Can they, can they continue to coexist in that backcourt? But at the same time, the Wizards need some help. The Wizards' cap salary is over the charts. They've given Bradley Bill and John Wall so much money. 
stars don't want to come to me is because the Lord can protect me to be not there. It's not the same team that went to the Eastern cities with Boston. Um, that's not that same year, a couple of years back in that same momentum. So at this point, the Wizards are looking are looking stagnant. It's a wait and see kind of thing. Okay. You mentioned, you know, when I talk to people across the league who observe the league and stuff, you know, Bill is really one of the top guys who is mentioned in regards to, you know, people wanting to see him in another situation, you know, as as a person in D.C., what's your take on that? Do you think that it's going to be, that it's inevitable that Bill's going to be traded or, you know, let go in some way because he's the more affordable half of that pairing with Wall? Or or do you think there's some way that they could possibly make it work with Wall coming back? And, you know, at one point they were one of the most dangerous backcourts in the NBA, but just they've had such a long time now where they've lay off, like where they haven't played with each other. Years you saw Bradley Bill grow up. You saw Bradley Bill maybe in a sense experience some of the things that John Wall was going through as the main point of the team. Um, he had to carry a lot of weight for the Wizards. Um, because let's be real, prior to that, he was injury prone. You never know he could play um, 70, 80 games. How long that he would actually last on the court? It sure. just like the hands of time would, would mess up for them both. When, Brad, when John Wall was home with Bradley Bill, never was it. Um, in the last couple of years, we've seen it help Bradley Bill. Um, let's be real, J.R. Smith is a Laker now. That could have been talk, That could have been um, Bradley Bill because uh, within the last year or so that the Lakers were interested in Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill comes out and says that his, his heart and his, and his um, loyalty is to the Wizards. A lot of people didn't really agree with that. Some agreed with something. But um, I think he wants to remain a wizard. I think he's proven himself a wizard. Um, um, and I think that this is where he wants to be. I think if he continues to continue this way, and they can find a way to shift some things around and really get some money generated, the front office has been very horrible in taking care of, of the money aspect. He's going to pay John Wallace for the million before. Now he's carrying his seems you guys kind of I, I would like to see you guys have that backcourt be in full and and I didn't even I, you you made me remember the fact too that Bill was you know you, you guys kind of really have never seen them at their maximum because Bill was pretty injury prone yeah 
before before when Wall was healthy. So if if there's any way that 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 duo can get together in a real way, you know, you guys can be, definitely be contenders again. Just look at how with depleted you guys were this year, and you guys were still just on the edge of making the playoffs. You know, and you know with that said. What, what what are your thoughts on some of the other talent that's on the team? I know there's some people like Thomas Bryant, who people mention, and you know you guys have had some, you know, kind of routinely have some lottery picks. You know, the most recent one was Hachimura out of Gonzaga. You know, are any of those guys being looked at as as promising, real promising guys who who you can build off of to make this team a, a winner again? That's a tough situation. That's a, definitely a tough situation to be in. And I can identify with that, you know, following the Bulls because we've had that same. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's difficult. You know, you got to you gotta make yourself, like you said, you, if you want to play big in the NBA nowadays, you got to be able to draw those big names. Or you know, got to have you got to be on tight with every draft and every free agency and try to get those players off of the discount who can impact you know. But uh, you can't play you can't play small potatoes in the league nowadays, basically. So you know, we'll see how that goes with with y'all. But a lot a lot a large part of drawing team drawing big name players, you gotta you gotta say that's the front office and the coaching, you know, p- players respond to who's in those positions, who's the GM, the vice presidents of, you know, of basketball and all that. And, you know, here in Chicago, we, we're undergoing a big 
reconstruction of as far as that goes. You know, we're getting some good uh, reviews so far of of our new general manager and uh, you know uh, and and vice president and all, and looking for a coach now. Scott Brooks has gotten, you know, he, he's gotten the the sign. You know, he he's not he's not on the hot seat as it were. It seems at least reportedly in D.C. Do you think that should be the case? Or not? I think Scott Brooks has done a great job because at one point we talked about Bradley Hill and John Wall. We didn't even know if they liked each other. There was reports mm-hmm. they were getting into it that they had issues with each other. But at the same time, and he was able to come in at that time and turn the team around. But at the same time, we okay. a team like Golden State, Mark Jackson laid down the foundation of the team kernel for them too. I think we are looking for a coach to take us to take um, DC to the next level. I think Scott Brooks is a great coach. We also know that Scott Brooks is a is a coach of stars and a leader of stars. I mean, look what he did with Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. But sometimes it appears that if he can, he's coaching them, but where's the rest of the team? And um, when it comes and we get into this heroistic type of basketball, what we need to do with um. I don't think he's on the hot seat. I think depending on what they do this year, he may be. But I think that what, what, what needs to be done is a coach, if we find one, if there is change, a coach that can make an all-around team effort. What, what do we know? Every team has something you at least know them for. Um, we don't want to be involved in a process that's lasting as long as Philly. But yeah. we need something that's going to sustain a team ball team effort and i think that in certain aspects of the game you can see that scott brooks did out pick out coach a little bit and you can see that there's a dissect between the rest of the guys watching bradley bill and everything and john wall's good thing and the incorporation of that into more of a team ball aspect so we'll see what happens with what they can conjure up together because it's, it's also been a long time since he's been together with the, with the two. So, sure. with that also, a research is back as well. So, yeah, that's some good insight. I never really thought about the effect he may have had on on that partnership between Bill and Wall, and you know, or him not having the time, like you say, to develop that with them as well. I think a lot of people look at Brooks. You know, I've, I've had uh, some colleagues I've talked to who just really are not big on him at all, you know, largely because he's not like a big X's and O's guy. He's not a guy who can strategize your way into a win for the most part. But he, he uh, I agree with you. He is sort of like a, a star's coach, a player's coach in that way. But I, I but definitely, you, you know, you guys got to have like more of a, uh, entire team philosophy and entire team chemistry that that gets built because uh, that's you know when you look at the the great teams out there you know throughout the years San Antonio uh, you know uh, uh, Golden State o- over their dynasty you know they've had sort of clear philosophies like a Toronto you could look at a team like that today they they have a clear philosophy about the way they play and even though they don't have a lot of big stars, they really execute their game plans the way that they want to, and they force teams into uh, 
playing the way that they don't want to, false opponents like that. But um, yeah, let's uh, let's go right quick before we talk about Coach Thompson. Uh, I want uh, I want to get your thoughts a little bit on the Mystics, you know, because you brought them up, and you know, the Mystics, uh, a defending champion in the WNBA, it doesn't look that good for them this year on defending that title, but they, you know, big, big losses coming into the bubble, uh, starting with Elena Deladon not being there. So I just you know if you want to give your thoughts on how they've done and have they surprised you in any way or disappointed you or, or was it just somewhere, you know, just what to be expected from them giving what they came into the bubble with? what's up that's what's up and we when you talk about ladies taking charge and you know really representing you look at the wnba overall and you know the way that they've led in, in social justice issues and uh presenting a united front you know they got to show that again this past week by uh joining the work stoppage and everything and you know it was it was initially brought on in the nba but you know i i try my coverage to always give the props to the WNBA because they forefronted a lot of the the public uh, speaking of and and denouncing of racism and police violence and all these type of things that we're seeing in society that we're trying to fight off. So, you know, it, it, I just you know if you want to give your thoughts on that and in particular with this past week, you know, what was your take on the the events as they happened, the the, the striking and you know, the, the statements that were made uh, throughout both leagues? I think it was direct action. I think that um, I made a statement when the guys were coming back about what was the bride. A lot of people didn't like me making that statement. And, um, and, it only, and it came from other people trying to ascertain why one or two games was the only thing that they didn't play. You know what 
saying on both ends. Sure. Um, and that's what I was elaborating on because someone asked me what was the conversation to, from, from the lead to the guy to make them come back so quickly. Um, when you talk about social reform, especially when you talk about social reform on a platform, what ends up happening is a lot of people then want to assess how much you've done without your platform, without a platform that's as high. I think what I think what's happening is that well, prior to the book, everybody was talking about Kyrie's comments and that they should be going, they should be playing outside of the risk of the the, the um, coronavirus. Issue. I mean, the bubble has definitely surpassed any contradictions as far as keeping these athletes safe and keeping an environment that is as that wish to entertain. But the issue was could they entertain us while still making a statement? Um, I think a lot of people want a lot more because when you look at the forefathers of sports, Muhammad Ali says he's not going to participate before. He did not know if he was going to even get back when he got back. It's a risk. Um, but I also think we live in a country that is still trying to figure out when it comes to social justice and when it comes to social reform and speaking on it, your personal impact on it, what is too left and what is too more. And it gets even bigger when you're talking about the parameters of having a platform. What is too much and what is too left? Is it enough? But I think what their action was, their action was directed to the point um, I'm not going to even as far as the broadcasting, just walking off the second What's the point of us? To, let's talk. Not to continue talking about it. Let's be about something. I'm not entertaining nothing, or not being your personal entertainment. You're not going to sit there with But then it, here goes the rumblings again of shut up and rumble, and we just want to play basketball. I think we've gotten to a very important part of this country, but the, what is going on is the continuing of conversation. And I think whether or not you join the movement or not. Definitely. That's that's well, very well said. And um, I, I identify with that last part you said with your grandma, because I had a great grandma who dealt with dementia as well. And 
you know, that's a, a harrowing process to see people go through, especially people that we love and people who, who are so sharp at one time, you know, uh, go down like that. But I'm sure she had a lot of wisdom, like you said, with that last statement. You know, she gave you a little bit more of that wisdom that uh, we all can value from our, our elders, you know. And 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 I'm 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 with you on that. Like in the process, sometimes things things sometimes things happen quickly, but some a lot of a lot of the struggle though it occurs at a very slow pace. And and there's give there's giving and taking that you have to go through with these process. And you know I'm I'm proud of what happened last week. I think it was a step forward. I think the the uh, you know in in all these leagues that expo that exposed themselves to being having some sort of devotion to the movement there, you know, we know that there are more allies than there were previous to that week. And, and, you know, people will talk, people talk about with the NBA in particular, you know, you could have taken off more games, you could have <coughs> done more, but I think they still have that as a chip in their back pocket. You know, if they want to take off more games, if they see something, the reason to take off more games, they can do that. So I, you know, I'm, I'm with. I was, I said it at the time. I'm with them. Whatever they do, whether whether they took off the rest of the season or they just took off one game, but uh, you know, given what they did, I think yeah. they did make an impact. In particular, with getting the agreement to have the 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 stadiums across the league used as voting sites. I think that as a as a you know, a key uh, key concession that the owners made that wouldn't have happened if they didn't uh, make that statement that they made last week. But, um, you know, before I let you go, though, Mikhail, you know, we got to talk about Big John. And, and we talk about, I think it's, it's quite poetic that he passed at this point because he was a figure – who you could look at as as definitely a a, a very black figure in sports. A, a, pro, a pro, he was an old school guy, but he was progressive in a lot of ways because he protected and gave space for black athletes to grow and and develop the, their voices underneath him. You know, he still was the big man, but. You know, we got athletes like Allen Iverson and Alonzo Mourning and Dikembe Mutombo and Patrick Ewing, of course, who developed as men and became leaders under him. And they went out and they led other other teams and other people. And now you look at Ewing leading Georgetown himself. You know, he, he, I'm sure he took a lot in his teachings from uh, his learning from, from uh, Big John. And of course, it was also John the Third who led Georgetown for a while too, got them to a Final Four as well. But the legacy definitely starts with him, and all he did. We we could run off all the the accomplishments, but you know, just speaking as a DC person, a, a DMV person uh, to the heart, as you are, you know, what was the true impact from your point of view that uh, John Thompson made on sports and on y'all region? I mean, it is no more D.C., D.M.V. than Georgetown Hoyt basketball. Um, and the interesting thing about this, um, if anybody has ever been to D.C., they know that Georgetown is very prominent here. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if you think of Georgetown University, that the that Georgetown wasn't an HBCU. And they, <laughs> they had Howard University. Yeah. So John Thompson bought a school that was meant to make you one of the best doctors and nurses in the country. Or he, he, he brought it to the forefront. At, he brought the program athletically to the forefront and brought our black faces to the forefront, to the forefront and put D.C. on the map. Um, I think what I think uh, as a basketball player himself at Celtic, he had so much success in the championships he won. But what the greatest thing about everything that's being said about him, think about it, is seventy-five of seventy-five of his players of the seventy-seven coaches got degrees, stayed on four years, got degrees. He wasn't just he spoke up for the injustices of black athletes. Spoke up uh, for for uh, as far as boosters or anything of that nature. For John Thompson, John Thompson was a father figure to a lot of these men. What he did was produce guys that weren't just great athletes but great men. Um, I don't know if Rod High in the, in the room when Alan Iverson gives his long face. We, we all have to remember that Alan Iverson's future was taken away in an instant. That high school incident when he went to jail. Yeah. His mother went to Georgetown and begged Coach Thompson to give him a second chance. A guy that, if anybody knows about Alan Iverson, he's a dual, dual superstar. So he's a guy that can do both. He can play football, play basketball. This is the top football that was going for a football career. He's a basketball holiday. And he turns to Coach Thompson, he says he thanks him for saving his life. Yeah. I read a, a, a post, Alan Iverson. Excuse me, Alonzo Warning posted about saving it. He saved his life as well. Coach Thompson became a figure that showed these guys that they can be more and be better. And he, I think his polarized, his polarizing figure of what he was able to be was just someone that these guys needed to be supported. Just think. If he told Alan Iverson no, he would have never had to hit. Yeah, all we would have missed. Yeah, it's, all we would have missed. It's amazing, you know. It's, it's, and and that's not even. That's just that. That's that one story. You think, like you say, he transformed a lot of lives, and he set an example. You know, both on the court and off the court of excellence. You know, we talk about black excellence. You know, and, and how scary it could be. They 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 deemed it whole your paranoia, but. For us, he walks into Verizon Center. You know that's cold. Yeah. It, you knew who he was when he walked in the room. I, I had a chance to walk by him once. You know who he was when he walked in the room. You know what he stood for and what he was able to do for black men, black boys. It's unprecedented, and um, I think. I think um, we're sick of saying rest in peace in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> it's been rough. It's been very rough. Um, someone made a joke we should have known 2020 was going to be something with 20 when COVID passed away. Yeah. Um, it has not been the same. Um, Kobe, John Thompson, Chadwick Boseman recently. But um, I, I think we all should just start to pay attention to what life is really about. I, I hope 
I hope it doesn't take that far to remind ourselves of, of the living family. Yeah, we got we to gotta live. I, I always try to live with purpose myself. And, you know, I think that, that type of thing is really instilled in us, you know, going forward. We look at, like you said, how many great people we've lost this year. But I also look at how many regular people, you know, regular and quote unquote that we've lost as well. You know, people, you know, we've, you know, I've, you know, I've known people who've been affected by COVID. Um, I don't know if you have as well, but you know, it's it's just been it's just been tough just seeing the effect of of instant of instant loss, you know, and so much loss, and, and it's, it's been like a tidal wave in a lot of ways, but. You know, I think we got to just keep on going for those who can't go on no more. And, you know, fights like uh, we're seeing this this past week, uh, you know, uh, fighting for the rights of people like Jacob Blake, I think that that it, it gears us up even more, you know, to to live with purpose and to live and keep fighting for, for those who can't fight anymore, can't speak for themselves or who – who've been for so long disenfranchised and not allowed to speak. So, you know, I'm glad that definitely, definitely, you know, with that said, you know, I'm glad to connect with a sister like you and I'm glad that you're using your, your uh, platform and everything to not only cover sports, but, uh, you know, talk about the real stuff going on uh, inside of the sports world as well. So, you know, uh, before we go, let everybody know about uh, rolling with Ramos and, you know, what type of show you you got and what type of good stuff that we can, uh, you know, expect from it week to week. Oh, man, make sure you follow your favorite. I'm never lying when I say this. Your favorite sports podcast, Roman and Airway, It's me. I have the best co-host ever in my partner in crime, Tristan, Tristan Moore, excuse me. He's awesome. Um, we are on YouTube. Please go subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can catch us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, anywhere that's streaming, Spotify, iTunes. Um, episode 96 comes this week. So we are four episodes with 100 years, three years old. I'm very happy that um, everybody gets to see sports in my eyes. Um, and it's, it's been a wonderful experience. Please make sure that you follow us on Facebook at Rolling with Ramos, on Instagram at Rolling with Ramos, and if you follow me, you want to follow me personally at Mikel Shade, that's M-Y-K-E-L-L-S-A-D-E, that is my real name, all one word together, like the singer. Um, make sure you follow Roll underscore with underscore Ramos, <laughs> Roll underscore with underscore Ramos underscore apparel. Um, I, I don't know if anybody can see this, but um, Roller Ramos is also a sports show built on sports tradition and remembering the legacy and celebrating a life, remembering a sports tradition that was passed down from a father to a daughter. Um, this is my father, Michael Ramos. Um, may he rest easy. Um, been a year, it's been a year and a half without him, but he is the logo of our show and he's the logo of our clothing line. And when you roll with Ramos, roll with not just one, roll with two. And um, please, um, please support our movement. Pay homage to a legend. Rest in peace to my father, Mike Nice, and um, let him know who you roll with. 
That's, yeah, that's what's up. I'm sure he's proud of you, you know, looking down on you, feeling proud. And uh, yeah, definitely support the movement, the Rolling with Ramos movement. And, uh, you know, you give her a follow. Give me a follow as well. You know, uh, they, they can't see they can't see the gear. But, yeah, she she killing it with the with the gear and everything. <laughs> yeah. I know what that's about, yeah. And it's personal, so I try to be because my father is on it, so I'm trying to be patient. So um, I'm just appreciative. I'm hoping we can do this again. Happy people call my people. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, <laughs> gladly, gladly, gladly. I'm glad to have you all, Mikhail. And uh, yeah, like I said, give a give a follow. Give you no know, check out the the apparel. Let you no know, make it so she don't have to spend so much of her money in the future. And um, oh, uh, we got we'll do this again real soon. You know, maybe you know we'll do it. Uh, hopefully, maybe so I got to get to DC again soon. Maybe we'll right. Yeah, uh, maybe. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll. I'll give you the deep dish and the tavern style. That's what we really eat out here. You, you got to make it to Chicago. So I, I've been to DC three times. I love DC, but you got to make it to Chicago sometimes, and I'll definitely show you around. To you, you, you'll get fat. You'll really get fat messing with me though if I, if I show you some food places around here. Well, we'll we'll make a date for summer 20, 2021 because I never come. <laughs> I don't I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Yeah, summertime shy is the time to come. So don't yeah, you can just just make sure mark that down next summer. Hopefully everything will be all right. We'll see what this world is about and thank you, my friend. All right, thank you. That's Mikel Ramos, rolling with Ramos. Definitely appreciate the insights on DC sports. And uh yeah, that's it for now. We're gonna we gonna keep it moving though with more uh, insight from other ball experts from across the country. So keep up with us on that. And uh, yeah, as always, keep uh, running with war. We'll holler at y'all. All right. Thanks a lot. That was great.